A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's record. Monsieur Mike from Canada. Mr. Tuvrik, how are you, buddy? All good. All good. Yeah. How's it going? Oh, well, uh, we got 10 centimeters of snow last night. It's yeah. middle of April. Um, but you know what? I got a roof over my head and I got a coffee in my hand. So life's yeah. all right. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think that's what everybody now is trying to push on is gratitude, to be grateful for the same things we are. Exactly. I see your uh, guitar collection seems to be growing Yeah, I, I, have, I have some stuff here. I, I just, that's my living room. That's hence the name of the whole thing. I call it living Zoom talks. You know? like, I like it. I like it. You know what? I, I saw that and I contemplated moving my laptop. So right now I'm sitting at my kitchen table. I'm like, do I put it in my living room? Which literally is like 15 feet away no um no. but i couldn't be bothered it's eight in the morning so yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> absolutely so are what have you been up to since the nba i came in it's been five years now five years can you believe that five years it took a pandemic I as you said it took a pandemic to get us together <laughs> i was saying this to somebody else i've been meaning to do some things around the house and i was like you know what i'll, do, I'll put it off to a rainy day put it off to a rainy day global yeah. pandemic that's when you start doing stuff around the house but uh no man lots has changed i've got a daughter now so that's really cool um business after uh, thank you yeah so she's three so that keeps life a little bit hectic um but amazing and then uh you know ever since the mba like it, just like you jumped down the entrepreneurial path and uh co-founded a, a real estate tech company and did that really uh the whole time up until about three months ago now two months ago yeah i saw um, something on linkedin yeah yeah so i i uh you know i made the switch um from you know the, the entrepreneurial endeavor to to actually working in the same vein but on the venture capital side mm-hmm. uh, and helping companies just like our company scale mm-hmm. um, and we can kind of get into into why why I did that but ultimately it it's that same personality traits man it's the same traits that get you uh, get you going in the morning it's you know that opportunity yeah. to sort of change things move yeah. things forward and help things grow so yeah. yeah what about you man you've been good well i've been yeah i've been in bulgaria for since the mba uh, i joined the company called easy exhibit as a partner is it was in the exhibition and the event industry and so we're yeah just dead now right everything, yeah yeah everything's shut down i mean every single venue i know of is transformed into a giant hospital oh, so uh it's it's crazy and um and so we put uh we put our team in uh, in remote and we're at home now and we're trying to meet uh, we're trying to to make the to do the math around when this is going to go again, and we still have some contracts for for the next uh, for November December period. So mm-hmm. we just have to hold on and basically survive. Nobody's looking into yeah. profits right now. Everybody needs to just sit down, survive this thing, and then see where this is going. So, but uh, yeah, it's been, my my life has been Bulgaria for the past five years. 
in this. And then I also started a small consultancy, Peronia Lab here. So, okay. So some, some strategy consultancy business. I started it last year because I started finding myself invoicing people through, uh, for, 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 for things. And so I was like, okay, like, at some point I need to get serious about it. And so uh, I started this and um, I think now is the time for me to get back to it. And so this whole idea of reconnecting with people uh, and see what's going on. And so I'm looking forward actually after this crisis to what's, uh, to, to, to the changes that are, it's going to bring because it is going to bring changes. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm curious because listen, in, in, compared to the, to the, to North America, uh, culture, uh, in Europe with dealing with pandemics and crisis is a bit different. Right. So yeah. I think as a old continent, we lack of the pragmatism that, uh, <sighs> that North Americans have, you know, like, okay, man, it's a pandemic. We have to deal with it and then let's go to work <laughs> here. Everybody's debating on, whether we should wear masks, not wear masks, whether it, you know, like it's, it's, it's kind of two worlds. What is the point of view on your side? What is it, what is it like? You know, it's interesting, right? Like obviously just like you, I have a really international network. So, you know, I think that I have a, I have a probably a little bit of a different view than most North American people, yeah. but that said, you know, over here, there's still, there's still faith in our institutions. So yeah. like people still believe in the government here, at least in Canada. Okay. Um, so we, for the most part, people are pretty respectful of like what the public health sector is saying. And so, yeah, yeah they're wishy-washy and it's like, yeah, don't wear masks. Now it's wear masks. And so th yeah. there's still elements of that. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people that are, are, are really just grounding themselves in, okay, we got to do this for the community. We yeah. all believe that the world will continue spinning, you know, at some yeah. point in the future, at some point. Yeah. So it's just that. So it's okay. How do we, how do we mitigate the damage? How do we help one another in this really hard time? And then how do we keep our eye on the horizon so that when things do return to some level of commerce, you know, I won't use the word normal, I won't use the word new normal, but, but there will be some element of elevated commerce going of course. forward. Of course. What does that look like? What does that look like and how do we position for it, right? And so I think there, yes, there is definitely a pragmatic approach to it, but I mean, there's still a lot of people here that are, that are you know, debating certain things that you'd be like, well, why are we really debating this? There, okay, I think so it's that element of like, the grass is always greener, right? Like yeah, yeah. Us, in, us in North America, we look to Europe and we're like, oh, they have it all figured out. And then in yeah. Europe, you're like, oh, North America has it all figured out. The reality, yeah. we should yeah. all be looking at like, hey, Singapore, they got to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, North indeed, Korea, right? Indeed. They got to figure it out. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. No, it's, actually, yeah, I've been following, uh, I've been following things around and uh, the observation is that a lot of people are now just adapting, you know, like, I mean, this whole idea for me of this registering, and recording those things is adapting. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting in my living room. I know a bunch of people <laughs> everywhere. So why don't I just reconnect with the people that I, that I you know? That, so it's, it I really love started it. like this. I called, I called up Brandon and I'm like, okay, maybe I can do another one and another <laughs> one. And now, now I'm eight episodes rec recorded and already three published. So I'm, I'm, and, I, and I still have a bunch of interviews next, next week. Not so, gonna lie, man. I saw it and I was jealous. I was like, "Oh man, that looked like a fun conversation with Brandon." Oh, that's awesome. And then you and then you text me. I'm like, "Oh, right on." Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And so, indeed, when I look at the news, I mean, I see a whole bunch of stuff, and I see a, a lot of the a lot of the the the, the misconception. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a question I need to ask. Maybe somebody in what is up with the toilet paper, man? Like, what's what, I lived in Lebanon through the Civil War, <laughs> and I don't like there were literally bombs dropping and I don't remember running out of toilet paper you know like I, I don't remember my parents saying huh what if we run out you know I don't know the science behind it but somebody explained to me there's a psychological component to it because I guess at any given time there's only like let's say 20 packs of toilet paper right because they're so yeah. big 
And so when they disappear first, right? So all it takes is like one person to do a run on the toilet paper and then everybody sees it. And it's just this like follow on effect. That's the one element that's explained to me because it's a big product and you don't have to be in the store anyway. Ah, so the visual volume, when you see somebody packing up yes. on something, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that. And maybe I shouldn't take only four. I should take the 20 pack. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's the only thing that's made sense to me. I don't know if it's true, but that's the only thing that's like, we have three, uh, apparently we have three toilet paper mills in Western Canada. Yeah. We're talking like 10 million people, three of these mills. And we're still like, the sh- the, 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 they're bare shelves, right? It's like, it doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, I mean, I, I, I looked at myself, like, I, I don't know if you've, uh, but we spoke about it during the NBA. I had a bakery in Paris, right? Mm. And so, and so I looked at myself and I'm like, okay, what did I buy? I bought pasta, rice, flour, sugar, salt. You yeah. know, a little bit of butter, olive oil, some milk, the essentials, eggs, if you will. Yeah. like anything you could make a bread or an omelet with, you know, like something, so all those natural proteins that we learned about when we were stuff. kids, you know, and then I, I'm, I'm looking like I'm looking at people buying the Clorox, buying toilet paper, buying, and I'm like, wait, it, who's going to eat that? Like it, you, it, there's a pandemic and you're worried about being like you're worried about the wrong things like okay and and i and i thought i got it wrong and then i, I started thinking and that's why it's uh, it's yeah indeed indeed that there's a big psychological thing into it i, you look I think that's the only thing that makes sense you just make it mimic yeah i guess it's monkey see monkey do you know so the question is did you go back and get toilet paper when you're i did <laughs> exactly. i did but not as much not as much you know i'm like yeah okay i could use you know i mean i don't want to <laughs> Is if I run out, but yeah. buy a twenty pack, you know, like I, I'm not betting on the fact that I'm not gonna get out of my house for three <laughs> months, you know, or or that there won't be toilet paper anymore. Like that's just it. That's just that's it, man. It's it's amazing. it's interesting. Right? It, who knew who knew that this is what 2020 would bring? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, when we were in the NBA, I mean, that's what I told. Um, we were speaking with a girl yesterday. You'll see the episode later. Um, that who could have thought about a year ago? Right? Great. So based on this logic, anything we can forecast right now, can we just say that it's hypothetical without being so certain about it? Like, let, let's say it's just what we hope for, but yeah. let's not be like so certain about it because about a year ago, like, I don't want to go into the debate of, you know, uh, in China, they knew it since November or whatever. Okay, 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 okay. April, 2019, did anybody yeah. forecast something like this happening in April? Not a chance. Yeah. No. So how... So how can you say what's going to happen in April to 2021? You know, like, so, so that's the, that's what we hope for. I think that's what humans are. I, I think so, man. And I think there's also those, you know, I think we, we call them like pretty little lies you tell yourself. Yeah. So, you know, one of, what's the pretty little lie we're telling ourselves is that, you know, once we're done social distancing and we flatten the curve yeah. that we can go back to normal. Well, the reality is, is, you know, what, you know, what comes after social distancing, more social distancing, right? Like, you look at, if you, you know, you plug into what people are talking about, it's like, well, we need an off-ramp, whether that's a vaccine, some good yeah. therapeutics or treatments, you know, some sort of big data tracking, which yeah. comes with a ton of privacy constraints and issues, um, you know, and, and a constrained level of, uh, of mobility, right? Whether that be international travel or inter- international travel, right? And so I think what most people are telling themselves right now is, um, you know, I, I think we'll get back to that place soon and hopefully it's normal. But the reality is, and I think most of us know this, and when we actually think about it, the reality is, it's going to be completely different for at least a foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think there's a lot of people that are willing to come to terms with that yet. I know I'm personally not like I, I was, I was in Europe once a month from literally September until February. 
And the fact that I can't hop on a plane right now and go over is just like killing me. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just ludicrous to, to, to see that it's like, uh, that's what Brandon said is like, uh, you're grounded, go home. Nature is telling you, you're grounded, go home and you, you'll get out when I tell you to get out, you know? Like, that's right. That's, that's basically, but, but what, what, listen, from, um, you mentioned uh, that you're in VC and uh, mm -hmm. startups right now, and I'm very interested in this because now I cannot help thinking what you just said about social distancing is like, I'm really betting on the fact that we're not going to be handshaking for the next two years. Totally. And totally. I'm betting on the fact that although hotels and leisure clubs uh, like lost a lot of money now, but people will not go on vacation on Zoom. So maybe events and B2B is going to be on Zoom, but people will still go on vacation. But then if they go on vacation, will they, will they Airbnb in some total stranger's house? Or will they go to that hotel that implemented all the measures to, you know, to, to clean yeah, the room? Certi certified and COVID it COVID-free, yeah. You know, and so to, to provide like the hospital uh, ecosystem <laughs> in, a, in a hotel. So I'm really interested in how you see these things with the startups. Like what is the trend of, startup so, dealing with this yeah so so for us so we're in the real estate space so obviously real estate especially in north america is all about you know the the, the phrase is belly to belly face to face right yes. so it's an industry built on handshakes you know very much like you know the the, the convention or event space right where it's the the whole industry is let's go let's hang out together let's go grab a coffee go look at some properties let's sit down at a kitchen table write some contracts up and buy some property like that is that is the cycle obviously there's a ton of ancillary things outside yeah. of it but that's that's the element of it so then you bring in something like covid where um people don't don't want to can't be in the same room as each other they can't go into strangers homes mm -hmm. so <clears throat> so you've got this huge impediment to the business process so <clears throat> that's one element on the other element you still have people that are like the world is still turning right there is still yeah. commerce people's lives are still changing people are still taking new jobs it's not at the same rate. So people's requirement around real estate is still there. It's definitely diminished and reduced, but the longer people stay in their current circumstance, the more they're going to still need to transact homes and move and invest. And so, so that, so, so the cycle is, is definitely changed, but it's still there. Right. So the overlying macro is there. So that's, that's okay. But then you look at that business process impediment around the real estate process and say, okay, what are those tools? Who are those companies that are positioned to help streamline that or help work in a place where it helps enable more social distance, helps enable a more streamlined transaction. Yeah. It reduces a lot of the red tape. So to give you an example, uh, we had legislation across Canada that required wet ink on mortgage documents. So <clears throat> when you wow. buy a home, you get a lending. It required wet ink. Wow. Two weeks ago, that law or that, 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 um, that, I guess, term or whatever you want to call it, was completely removed. And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. You can do e-signing. Yeah. And so overnight, literally overnight, by removing that, it just opened up a whole new path to streamlining the real estate from the legal side of things, the real estate transaction from the legal side. So, you know, so we're looking at that and saying, okay, who are those companies and who are those players that are positioned to, to almost just quickly go and do what they're already doing and then translate into that space? And, you know, in, in our world, so just, just to give you a process or a sort of snapshot of what that looks like, like when you buy a house, you're going through a stack of paper at a lawyer's house and literally they're like, this is what this paper is signing. This is what this paper is signing. There's no reason why that can't be done over Zoom and e-signing. There's Absolutely. literally no reason. The tech, the tech is there. It was, just, it was just a silly law that required it to be in person. And so, okay, there's a huge opportunity because nobody's playing in that space. So, so what are the mandates from one of the, uh, I guess, criteria that we had always looked at for our companies was, you know, are you quote unquote recession proof? Well, mm -hmm. here's, here's the crazy thing. 
uh, we didn't really know what the recession was going to be. Now it's like, are you pandemic proof? Well, are you surviving right now? So, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Story checks out. Yeah. So it's almost like you don't even have to talk through that part of the criteria anymore. Absolutely. Because like, they're literally telling you, you know, what's your pandemic plan. And, and at the same time, you know, I'm still in touch with my old company and, and I, and it's the same conversation that you had. It's like, okay, we're in conservation mode, right? Like growth isn't there. How do you keep the lights on and, and get yourself yeah. back to this, to this, you know, let's call it renewed level of commerce and one of the analogies that uh one of the authors that i follow he was saying it's like you know you're a jetliner and you got both engines taken out and you're sliding right you're gliding and so you know you know you have a a, like a a limited burn right you know you have a constrained capital runway yeah so how far can you get and can you get to that landing strip right like can you get to that safe place and if not that's 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 unfortunately what's gonna happen that's a debate. That's a that's an actual debate that is going on in a lot of companies. Some companies are like, okay, do we lay off people and put them in because governments are putting pouring money to help the economy, of course, where I mean what's yeah. happened in the States is historical, what happens in Europe is historical. Like we're talking wartime dollars, you know, like we're yeah. talking nineteen thirties, nineteen you know, we're talking nineteen thirties plan. Like that's historical. Like the last time we did it was a hundred years ago, right? Yeah. And uh and companies are Basically, okay, so should I put all my, should I cash out and put everybody on, like if I'm an SME of 20, 30, 50 people, should I cash out and put everybody on, on, uh, on the government's uh, hands and then they will get unemployment? Or should I manage to somehow keep them in the company, sacrificing some profits, sacrificing dividends in terms of like big capital, big corporations? and actually continue paying their salaries so that they don't have to rely on the government so that the so that it doesn't create debt for them in the future so and and i think the debate is is is, listen would i rather lose money now or would i rather in six months suffer from the crisis that is happening right now and companies Mm -hmm. i think are doing the responsible thing a lot of companies are deciding basically to lower there, um, uh, I mean, still there is a big record of unemployment because a restaurant is closed and when, well, that's just uh, it. Yeah, you know, a leisure park closed. But I mean, I'm talking about corporations and companies or service companies like yours mm-hmm. or mine, where you can afford to put people at home and maybe uh, you know, like uh, b- benefit from some help on delaying your rent and those kind of things. And and I think I think there is no real answer. Is the answer is if I run out of cash now, will I survive the next six months? Yeah. But if I do spend all the cash on my employees right now, what would be the situation if I don't in six months? Because when everything goes back, and I think this uncertainty is just, uh, it, it's making the decision a little bit without leverage. Like yeah. it, it's, it's life and death. Like it's, you go this way, you die, you go this way, you live, and you don't know which <laughs> way to go, but one of them will kill your company well, one of them will survive it and there's no leverage in it, right? It's, it's really interesting. So in Canada, one of our incentives plans is that if you, if you as a company, so this is showing how, um, how quickly this is all happening and how they're just trying to figure it out as they go. But if your revenues have dropped 30% in the last month, so in March, yeah. so top line revenue, um, they're, they're giving you a benefit for all of your employees to pay up to 75% mm-hmm. of their wages up to a certain cap. Yeah. So the whole thing was, how do we take them off of, we, here we call it employment insurance. How do yeah. we take them off of that, that element to essentially another version of it, but it's coming through the company's dollars because yeah. then it allows the companies to ramp back up when things get to that place. Absolutely. Instead of them Absolutely. having to rehire everyone. So there's an interesting model, but like as far as the government's approach, they're like, don't abuse it because we're going to find you like two years from now if you abuse it. But 
because they can't track it, right? Like, no. how do you track a month over month decline of 30%? No, you can't. Revenue? No, you can't. And the, the, the amount, the, the, the thing to think of is the, the money is in a limited space and it's coming from, even though it's coming from one source, whether, you can, whether your employee is on unemployment or whether he's still on your payroll but half time, for example, with some benefits from the government that go easy on you for the taxes or something, that money is being spent anyway. Yeah, exactly. And so you're either, you have to choose whether do you want to create debt in society for individuals or do you want to create debt in society for companies, right? And so what I'm afraid of is that today we might create debt for individuals. And that, that there's a big book by Ray Dalio called The Debt Crisis. Yeah. I don't know if you went through it. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a brilliant book that describes exactly what's going on right now. I mean, how foreseeing he was in, in, in describing this. The but, interesting thing to me, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. But the, the, oh, the, the, the situation remains me, uncertain. I think the world yeah, is. Yeah, is that like, you know, you, you get into like the broader macroeconomic policies, right? Of like, yeah. okay, currency, right? And the value of a currency is just its relative value to other currencies. The reality is, is that every single country is devaluing its currency by taking on more debt. But Absolutely. because everyone's doing it at the same time, it's almost like because everybody's adding those debt loads, all the currencies are remaining at equivalent values. And so like, really, it's like this really big experiment in, you know, fiat currency right now, where it's like, if everybody, if everybody, you know, increases their balance sheet at the Fed level, what does that actually mean? Does it actually mean anything, right? Like, especially with interest rates being low, right? The economy can handle the burden of the cost of the debt. Absolutely. So, so like, what you know and i and, and i haven't had a, a clear response i don't understand it fully and you, know, you talk to really smart economists and i don't think that half of them if, if even more less than that know i truly understand how the fiat like money no, 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 no. works no. right so and like that's what we're trying to talk about here we're trying to talk about like the highest level macroeconomic policies trickling down into like how do you keep your employees fed and sheltered and i think you know for from our perspective is like business owners and, and leaders in the community it's you know, you're seeing, I think, this bifurcation of two types of companies or two types of mm. individuals. It's, it's those people that are, you know, how do I make this an opportunity with like really like aggressive messaging and, and, yeah. and you know, it's, it's that. But then there's the other people that are like, hey, listen, this is this is what we got to do. We're batting on the hatches. We're going to take care of you as good as we can, you know. And, and I think it really bodes well for those companies that were already kind of operating in some level of transparency, yeah. you know. And, and I think that there's that push for transparency within corporations, too, where it's like, I don't know about you, but like in my old company, my, my uh, employees, they knew exactly what a monthly burn was. You know, we didn't go down to the salary level, but it was, you know, here's what our monthly burn is. Here's cash in the bank. Here's revenue. You do the math, right? Like, yeah, that, that's what can, we did. You can that's graph two did. curves, that's right? You can did. graph the curves. We, yeah, exactly. The, the debit credit, how much, can, how long can I survive? You know, like, yeah. that's my, yeah. that's my credit right now. Considering that there's no, going to be no income for the next <laughs> exactly. six months, right? What's, what's the debit, 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 and when do I reach zero, and when do I reach a certain overdraft, when do I ask a bank for a, for a, you know, for like a crisis yep. loan or something like this? And so we did the math, and indeed, it's, it's, it, we're coming back, I think, to the basics in economy. Like, I have 10, and I spend two a day, how many days? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Period. Like, nobody's <laughs> looking into now analyzing and curving or whatever. That's as simple as it gets. I have 10. I spent two a day. That's five days, period. Yeah, it's not, it's not like, what's your CAPM pricing model and what's your beta nobody on that? Nobody cares. No, nope. <laughs> no. Nobody, nobody can even forecast it. I mean, you saw what happened with Boeing. You saw what happened with American Airlines. Like, how, how do you, who, who, what, what is the, who is the person that can forecast what's going to happen with these companies? Well, and that's just it. And I think, you know, I was having this conversation with another friend of mine and, 
you know, we operate in a world of probabilities, right? Like that's how society has come to terms with forecasting. Yeah. It's like, okay, there's a 0.1% chance you assign a value to it. And then you have an expected value. So the expected value or the expected cost of a pandemic, you know, a couple trillion dollars, right? I think is what Bill Gates five years ago, a couple trillion, Absolutely. three trillion, couple whatever, trillion dollars, yeah. whatever, you know, a couple okay. trillion. But the reality is it's like, well, okay, are we going to invest a couple trillion dollars on an event that has a probability of 0.1%? Absolutely not. You know what that cost is likely, but you're not going to try to get ahead that's of like it. My, because that's not like buying a car because you see accidents on CV. Exactly. So, so you don't you know, do that. Simply, you don't do that, right? Exactly. So our whole decision-making process around assigning probabilities to valuations, when you get a black swan event like this, and yeah. you, people could argue that this isn't even a black swan event, it's a recurring thing that happens cyclically, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we, we recognize that our decision-making processes aren't prepared for this. And so then when we happen, it's like, everyone's like, well, how do we get here? Well, are, are the way that we train ourselves to deal with the future with math and probability yeah, is absolutely. one of the reasons why we're in this situation. Cause we, we know we're kicking the can down the road. We know yeah. it's going to come. And it's like, when it gets here, it's like, well, how come we didn't do anything? It's because you can't do that. And I think the world is also changing. So sociologically speaking, I've been reading a lot of books on social behavior and on behavioral organization in companies. And uh, like, I, I know this might sound rude and harsh and for, forgive my French, but 20 years ago, if you told somebody that a pandemic is going to wipe out 200,000 people worldwide and it's going to affect 190 countries, but the price for containing it is to kill the world economy, they would say, no, let people die. It's okay. Yeah. Like, we'll try to cover it up as much as we can and let's just move on. Like, you know, like, mm -hmm. because, and, and I think it happened throughout history. I think one of the, one of the comparisons between SARS or Merck or whatever it came before that in 2003 mm -hmm. is that... Now we have Facebook. Now we have social media. Now we're connected, you know. Now we're traveling a, a whole bunch more. And that comes, I think, with the responsibility as well. Is That's what I've been writing to everybody, by the way. Every time, like, every time somebody posts something on Facebook or LinkedIn in my network, I just write down, can you please indicate the source? Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Just indicate the source. Like, that's the civil duty of anybody out there is listen, man, you're going to receive a bunch of information. Just look into the source, right? Yeah. If it seems a shady source or something like this, just don't click share, okay? <laughs> just consume yeah. it, keep it for yourself, and just don't click share. If it's some governmental, I mean, I, I don't blame the government for not knowing six months ago and then knowing right now. Yeah. The people I blame is the people that are still conveying the lies and the kids still conveying the misconception. Now that we established that the mask is helping yeah it shouldn't be a debate anymore okay six months ago it wasn't established so maybe it was a debate but now that it's not a debate anymore can we just move on past the mask you know like can we just yeah. say okay we were wrong we need a mask and move on and now find a way of getting the masks you know so yeah i think that's what what's uh, what's happening and i think the the world and the behavior it, it will certainly change our behaviors i wrote the piece i said this is nothing comparable to 2008 crisis because 2008 changed our votes because there was a trust issue with the system and with the banking system. I mean, I remember 2010, anybody who wanted to become a banker, they would just say, oh, so you want to be a crook? No, no, man. I just, I mean, you see what I mean? Yeah. I think 2008 changed our votes. I think 2020 is changing our behaviors. I think we're going to consume differently. We're going to live differently. I think we're From a North American point of view, I think, I think this is obviously completely different, but somewhat similar to September 11th in the way that it's going to change behavior, specifically... Yeah. You know, so September 11th changed the way that airports work, right? Yeah. So enhanced security, locked cockpit doors, 
you know, no fluids. Yeah. Those are like three, three things that are now just like we all consider normal, right? That's just normal. But, but most people, you know, the, the kids going up to the cockpit and hanging out in the cockpit, right? Like those things all happened up until 2001. 2001 hits. You cannot do that. There's locked cockpit doors. There's enhanced security. There are so even words that you cannot say on an airplane. Even words you can't say. And so then the question, so then, so then you look at that and you're like, okay, I can see that, that being more like this where, okay, let's just, just you go down the travel path for a minute. You know, yeah. to, to travel, do you need to do... And I'm, I'm of the belief that we're going to have COVID tests where you can get the results within a matter of moments, right? So, so do you need to prove that you're COVID free to do international travel or do we have certificates, right? You need to be able to prove that to have the right. And it's not just that travel, let's say to go to like sporting events or festivals, yeah. you have to essentially prove it. You know, if you look back in history, it's like, well, do you have your vaccine records, right? And that was a requirement. And so, you know, people talk about privacy, but I could see it, uh, that being a real different thing. But that's a behavioral change, mm -hmm. just like it, it, and then and then you got to layer on the, the economic impact, which is that fuller thing, which is like, like you said, it's the 2008 thing. And it's like, OK, well, now now what does it look like with loaded debt? Now, what does it look like with companies that are just mm -hmm. surviving? And, you know, I had this one conversation with another guy and they do um, they do a bunch of stuff for events as well. And they're like, literally, you can't plan for a world event or world thing where literally there's no events because no. the, the, the business strategy was, well, if let's say sporting shuts down, you've got music, right? And if music shuts down, you've got, um, you know, weddings, right? But you could always go from event to event to event. But the reality is like, you cannot do any of it anywhere. No. And so their and, entire and, and business. You, and sports shut down. So no more sales of Nike t-shirts and no more sales of Air Jordans. And then music shut down. No more selling of instruments. No more selling of uh, goodies. You know, yeah. and no hotels. Like you used to travel in Europe from, from uh, Paris to Italy to go through a concert over there. Or You see what I mean? And yeah. so it's, it's, it's really, yeah, it's, he's really correct in saying that. It's so, and it's so interesting how this is all, you know, one of those events that I feel like will, when it's all done, unify people because everyone has a story to it across the world. And so, you know, everyone can look back and say, Hey, how did you get through? What, where were you? What yeah. company were you at? Yeah. Yeah. What was it like for you? And I see that as a being a really positive and bringing humanity back together. And years ago, I worked in a really small office and we joked that like to not hate each other in the office, we needed like an outside something that we could like have an enemy so we would turn on like you know stupid news or something and just be yeah. like oh yeah we don't like this show and and you would bond over having an end it's the same thing about having a sports club right like you get a community together you bond Absolutely. around that 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 thing and then you have like an enemy being you're you know, rooting you for the same team whether you exactly. have an enemy or no you're rooting for the same team and now exactly team survivors you know like so so here's here's the enemy is for the first time in a long time we have a global enemy that we can all unify behind as humans right and I think that's a really cool thing is that we can all bond around that and we can say, okay, what are we doing collectively? And I think what we're seeing at our local level is the community doing exactly that and saying, hey, you know what? We do need to protect our, our, our um, um, higher risk uh, yeah. population. Indeed. So like, let's just, let's just band together here. And everyone's got that effort. You know, it's still weird and awkward when you go into the grocery store and people don't want to like look you in the eye and everyone's wearing masks. You feel like you're robbing the place, right? Absolutely. But at the same time, everybody's doing it. And so now you've got this common experience and any, Absolutely. any, you know, behavioral psychologist, when you look at things around common experiences, that's where you build friendships as you build yeah. relationships on. Right. And yeah. so now you've got this thing across the world. And so to me, I see that being as a real positive that we can build for. Obviously we have to get through this. It's terrible. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what that looks like going forward. Yeah. I, I can really so, tell you that crises bring, do bring people together, you know, uh, the, in, 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 in a macro way. Right. Of course, there are going to be some side effects 
uh, I mean, the prime, uh, not the prime minister, I think the, uh, the parliament, the head of the parliament in Italy or the deputy head of parliament symbolically removed the Italian, the European flag from his office and put the Italian flag saying that he's protesting against the European Union. So on a micro level in different regions, there is going to be some, uh, some backlash, I would say, to mm -hmm. the way we dealt with this, right? So whether, whether it's companies that actually fired a lot of people and so, or companies that decided, hey, we're keeping our people, we're sacrificing our capital, no dividends, no, none whatsoever. So I think in the consumer behavior, people will just shift towards the people that acted responsibly in, in this, as, as you said, being part of this community of the survivors against coronavirus, right? Um, you said now that you're more into venture capital and uh, funding startups. Are you on a seed space or are you more on, a, on an advanced, let's say? We're, yeah, so we're, we're more, more focused in companies that are, that are scaling. So they've, got, they've achieved revenue and they're looking okay. to scale that. And so our, our company um, is uh, an arm's length uh, away from, it's called the National Association of Realtors which is the largest trade organization in the U.S. And so nice. to be a real estate agent in the U.S., you have the term nice. realtor. Some of them have it. So there's like 1.5 million realtors that have it. So nice. it's, it's, I'll put it's in some links them. in the description later yeah, on. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so through them. So we're, so we're really empowering technology companies that are going to help empower the membership. But we're looking to, to work with companies that are more at that, that scale level. That said, um, from a personal point of view, I still work at the local startup scene. Um, mm -hmm. doing uh, startup weekends and things of that na nature, doing like coaching and mentoring. Um, so get exposed to, you know, everything from ideation at that level to, you know, getting that initial customer feedback to okay. where in my day to day is, is okay. You know, you're looking to expand markets. Okay. Well, <laughs> what market are we looking at? Where? Right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does that, what does that look like? And okay. And then, and then, you know, putting forward those roadmaps. So it's a pretty cool opportunity to be able to sort of see that spectrum. From yeah. That yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. And, um, we on the on the past few years we've observed in uh, I mean if you take the the figures that are coming out of all the seed investment uh, start um, not startups funds or mm -hmm. even uh, government backed uh, funds in Europe or even I feel that the philosophy were like okay so you look cool you have a cool idea here's a million bucks go try it do you think I, I believe that with a crisis like this one people are going to be okay show me you can do ten grand and I'll give you another couple of hundred grants for you to scale to a million bucks. Right. And, and I think it's even more than that. Like, I think as you would expect, people are obviously watching their, their bank accounts a lot closer yeah. than they were in the past. Um, and I think that there's definitely some fiscal responsibility that's getting reined in a little bit okay. to the point where, to the point where you could make an argument that it's too much constraint. And so locally we have a, we have a national bank here that is now going to co-invest with, with um, regional venture firms to essentially boost that capital because the reality is, and, and you know, this as a business owner is you do need capital to grow. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. That's a, but so, you need also so, a business model that is viable. Correct. Correct. Right? So I think it, the due it, diligence it, needs to be there. Right? I, I, th I think now people are just going to wake up. Some, some, some startup founders are going to wake up and God forbid find out that they have to learn how to make money. Well, <laughs> there's know? that element, there's that element, but then there's also the element of, does your business model survive in a post-COVID world? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you look at, you look at, let's talk anything gig economy, right? Let's do yeah. anything from Uber to hire, hire a contractor to hire a maid, yeah. anything where it's, you know, for lack of a better word, strangers interacting with you mm. for a service. The question is, 
will that still exist? And if it exists, how do people get that comfort again to, to maintain that experience? And you, you said it off the hop, like if I'm going and traveling, do I feel comfortable going to an Airbnb with, I don't know how well they cleaned it from the last person. And, you know, with, with, uh, with this being around and pr- without a vaccine being in place, do you want to suscept, put yourself to that? And let's, let's play this out further is that let's say you get tested positive and you're traveling and now you have to mandatory go into quarantine under a government program, right? Like, is that something you're going to risk if you're on a business well, trip? There's Even a business not. idea that I'm going to throw out to people here is if, you, if you're in the cleaning uh, sphere and you want to create a business, get yourself certified and licensed to be able to COVID-19 certified yeah. clean and go target the people that put their apartments on Airbnb and, uh, and do that for them for a fee, right? Like, I mean, either people will stop consuming or people will go bypass the consumption and then other jobs are going to be created. And unfortunately, we cannot forecast it. <laughs> I, I think that's exactly it, man. And it's like, okay, can you, can you like, what's a COVID certified cleaning? Doesn't exist. Okay, go create one. Go get like go lock down the trademark like go get it go create the license and then you you create that thing go get it certified with with uh, your local health agency absolutely and and implement it and then and now you as a you as a super host on Airbnb you can put that up right but I think that's that's not just going to be Airbnb it's going to be you know is this Uber car you yeah know, hotels even companies even companies will will do this I mean. We were talking with a, uh, with a friend of mine here that runs a, uh, for Telus, the company Telus. He runs a um, calling center. Mm-hmm. And he said, just, this COVID-19 is just going to kill the open space. We're going to go mm. back to boxes. That, I mean, you, we're going to go back to small, you know, this plexiglass closed uh, areas where we're going to keep a couple of meters away from each other because you simply cannot put 200 people on a plateau the way you used to put them about six months ago. It, if if like people even go back, even if, if, if people even go back to the office, like that's even another if question. people go back to the office or, or your call center is, might be a, a bunch of freelancers in, yeah. in their, in their, in their homes. And so I think, I think we're living in really exciting and changing times that, that hopefully we'll, we'll learn some things out. Right. I, I think the reality is, and I think for most people, it's, it's the lack of control. Yeah. And it's, I know it's a big thing for me is that, you know, you have to come to terms with the fact that you don't control yeah. this, this event. So once you, once you mourn that and you process that loss, the question is, okay, how do you adapt and how do you continue yeah. living your life? Right. And, you know, as, as I think you, you said off the hop as well, it's okay. So, you know, you start with being grateful for, for some of the smaller things. Like the fact is I can spend way more time with my daughter than I would have yeah. um, f- four weeks ago. Is it harder for sure? Because the work's still going on. But I still have this amazing opportunity to get to know my, you know, my daughter better than I would have yeah. in the past. So, you know, I, I, I hate to just sort of look at, I'm an internal optimist, you know, it's definitely a downfall, that's a, we, but we, I think that's like a market. classic, yeah, it's a classic we, we, entrepreneur. We, we, you have a trademark in, in, uh, in, uh, <laughs> in, in, in being the optimist. Yeah. So like, to me, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, what are these great things? Well, you know, look at, look at the adoption of Zoom. Okay. Yeah. Everyone was forced to adopt a Zoom, like as everyone has been doing. You're doing drinks with your family. You're getting, you know, your your parents, your grandparents on there if you're fortunate enough to have them, yeah. you know, have, have that technology. And so it's like, okay, what we've learned here and what you know with with a business is that adoption and getting people to 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 take the plunge with your product is, is one of the hardest things. Absolutely. So now you have all these people taking a plunge with all these new products and all these new different business models. And so you're gonna have all these things emerge out of this that Again, we don't know it. If, if we knew it, you know, both you and I would be billionaires coming out of this. But the reality is you don't know what those emerging trends are, but you're going to see these trends emerge. 
that you haven't seen, in my opinion. I don't think we're, we're, we're ready for what will emerge post out of mm. this, right? In, in this new way of life. And from everything from people not working at the office anymore to people just going about their daily lives and doing it in a, in a, in a little bit different of a way, right? And so mm. how do you position yourself? What does that look like? How do you, how do you pivot your current company to, to be in alignment with that future world? Mm. So you're not changing your business completely, but how do you know, for you in the event space, how do you align with a post COVID business event space? What does that look like? Yeah. You know, are you the online event specialist for the next two years? Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. So, I you think, know, I agree. It's exciting, but at the same time, you know, we're still in this and we're still in the thick of it. And so, you know, you have to say, say that with a grain of salt and recognizing, you know, all the hard work that everybody's going through on the front lines and being so fortunate. Oh, and, and, and it's not over. I mean, exactly. Whenever, whenever I'm afraid to be honest with you, um, I've seen, I've seen these things growing up in a country that went through civil war growing up in a region mm-hmm. in the Middle East that is not very stable. So the instability of things is like my, my comfort zone. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not uncomfortable right now. Everybody's uncomfortable with this. I mean, I used to wait in line for water. I can wait in line for a supermarket. You know, we used to live with, two, three hours of electricity a day, that's fine. We had 20 hours without electricity. So I would survive a couple of hours without the internet, for example, if, or five hours without the internet. So that's not affecting. On the other hand, I'm seeing these behaviors that people are trying, are starting to relearn. I know, for example, for a fact that Amazon Prime is not so prime anymore in Europe <laughs> because, the, because the, the delivery is saturated, right? Yeah. And so maybe in the future, because you had, you had a, six months ago, you had a service where you can order something in the morning and somebody on a bike will deliver it for you in the afternoon to your office. And so you, it's, it's literally like going to a shop, right? Yep. And so maybe we're going to have to learn again that, okay, if I want something fast, I'm going to have to go get it myself and make an effort. Or I'll just wait 24 hours or 48 hours like everybody else, right? And so mm-hmm. either it's going to slow us down or again, that's speculation, maybe a drone will just knock on my window and give me the, 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 and give me the, 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 the package that I ordered, you know? And so I'm kind of in this schizophrenic area where <laughs> y- you know what I mean, right? Yeah, like it, absolutely. It's, it's, it's like, okay, is it going to slow us down? Is it going to make us twice faster? Is it going to lo- I mean, are we going to just drop the fact that we're going to have offices, but then again, if we stay home and we have our kids and our wife all the day, is it going to make, relationships a little bit harder because everybody needs some balance you know yeah and a lot of couples now are discovering that actually they hate each other <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> you <know>? yeah <laughs> so, totally so 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 I'm, I'm kind of between this balance what would you say like if if we have to end on a on a mm-hmm. positive note or whatever what would you say to the common guy who's just waking up with some uncertainty what would you give for from your perspective of how you see companies evolving and how you see businesses evolving and how you. Yeah. For me, for me, it comes down to what your core values are as your company. And only, you know what those core values are, but just revisiting them. And so from our perspective, our core values are, are that community um, embracing one another and supporting one another and, and trying to be helpful. That's always been our core values. It was my core values at my last firm, their core values at our current firm. Yeah. And so just going back to that and having that be your, your compass with whatever decision you're going to make, because there's going to be a ton of decisions that are going to continue to come at every business owner, at every entrepreneur coming down the pipe. And so as long as you, at the end of the day, can, can rest on the fact that you made it within alignment of your moral compass and your company's moral compass, mm-hmm. I think that's the best that we can do right now. 
and, and just, and just go with that because ultimately you have to live with those decisions. And so they need to be in alignment with that and, and to not forget that you put those in place. Those are truly who you and your company are and just yeah. to stay true to that. Amazing. Amazing. My grandfather used to say this, by the way, what you just said, that's very, yeah. He, he used to say, listen, you're going to live in a world sometimes where you cannot change things. The best act of resistance is not allowing those things to change your core values and the way you think about certain things so that you can move forward. So, so I think, I think, I think we have the same uh, mantra if you want and the same values. Maybe it's the entrepreneur blood, right? I, don't I think it's the entrepreneur <laughs> blood. I mean, I, I think, I think we just realized that you cannot do it alone. And at some yeah. point where you have, you have, you cannot care just for yourself and you have, you have a responsibility. I think, I think leader, leadership, as you, as you mentioned a little bit before, it's a, it's more of a responsibility than a privilege, right? So it's a, totally cool. So I think we can wrap up. So good to see you, buddy. Yeah. Good to see you. Yeah. Let's reconnect. I'll publish this and uh, I'll put this together. in. A Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.